Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brain Trust Podcast Summer Edition. My name is Adam Vass, and I'm a tabletop game designer in the 100 degrees of Glendale, California. And I am Willie Epps. I'm a game designer on the beach, hanging out. I've got a spot here right on the towel for you, Adam. It's a great day here on the beach, uh, looking at the ocean, thinking about that one Takuma Okada game about being on the beach, picking up shells. Love Remember that it. one? I do. Um... Not a big, Let me look it up. Not a big beach person myself, being afraid of water and just generally disliking. Uh, I get sunburned in like less than 10 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. So the yeah, combo is, is a perfect a... storm of, of hell for oh. me. <laughs> I um, I like going to the beach, but I like just going out into as deep water as I can get into it, just being underwater for a long time. Um, that's... That game is called Alone on the Rocky Beach. Uh, you can find that on noroadhome.itch.io. Big fan. fan friend, friend of the show. Yeah. What, what else about the beach? I like um, jellyfish. Oh. I like being constantly afraid of jellyfish in the water if I know that they're Yeah, out. okay. I was going to say, like, to like a jellyfish is, is an interesting stance. but uh, I actually like them. <laughs> it requires context. Um, it's really good to be electrocuted. <laughs> I watched a movie this weekend called The Beach House, which is now on uh, Welcome to the Brain Trust Movie Corner. I watched yes, a movie right called The, the Beach right House. It uh, is streaming now on Shudder. It is a horror film that takes place uh, in and around a beach beach house. It was good. Um, okay. It, yeah. What, what about it was good? It has some really effed up body horror stuff so effed um completely effed it's up. very slow in a way that makes you think uh, have you ever watched a, a horror movie specifically or sometimes a sci-fi movie where you're like um you know going in as a viewer this is going to be horror but right now it just seems like you don't like you're not in the best spot but maybe you're just making it up Maybe right. It's yeah. not quite unreliable narrator, but it's its own sort of style of like we're confused by the events that are taking place around us, but we could easily come up with a rational explanation for them that it will by the end of the movie prove to be wrong. Mm, it's what we all do when we get a little bit freaked out. Yeah, just trying to explain away why you're scared and go on with your sort of status quo. Right. It's like yes, there are fireworks every single night. That's probably nothing. They're just leading up to Independence Day. Um, just really ramping it up. So the movie does that really well. Um, has a very small cast. I think there's four, maybe five people in the whole thing, which is wow. something I enjoy in movies and when I could just see it pulled off well to be like, you don't need to show me the whole world. You don't even need to show me the whole town. It's just these are the people I care about, and that's my lens through which I'm told about this world. Um, I, I didn't love the, uh, the ending, but I won't talk about it. Obviously it's very new. It just came out. Um, mm. I think it would have done festivals and maybe like a small, like indie theater release, uh, if not for everything. So it just went straight to shutter. Um, so if you have shutter, I recommend it. The beach house, the beach house. And I can recommend more Hannibal. Watching Hannibal, it's good. <laughs> if your name is Will, it's better than good. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's better than good. It's creepy. Uh, 
Also, I would recommend watching people open Pokemon cards on YouTube. <laughs> uh, um, did you get anything out of the, the, the Dice Masters opening that I sent you? Okay, so I watched about 20 minutes of the Dice Masters opening. It was an hour long. Um, I didn't like it because the person opening it didn't know anything about the Dice Masters. <laughs> and the, it was just like, I don't even say what their rarity is Like at the bottom. There's symbols that tell you like if this one's special or not. For a good de-sleeving video, uh, unraveling video, for rare cards, the best thing is when the de-sleever themselves makes a little squeaky sound whenever they get a good card <laughs> or they freak out. Um, there's one guy on TikTok who very uh, very low-key is just holding up his phone to his hand and is just opening Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And they're all in uh, Japanese. And he just like knows the names of the cards. He's like, okay, here's this one. Here's this one. Here's this one. And the TikToks, because they're 30 seconds long, they always cut out when he gets the rare one. So he's like, and then, oh my God, yee! And then it cuts off and it goes to the next one. And it's actually really sweet. And, uh, you know, you can tell this guy just, like, goes and picks up cards. Um, but, yeah, I uh, I really like this kind of modern panning for gold. Um, I think, like, card rarity and selling cards for money is a perfect example about how the stock market's not real. And how everything is constructed, oh, yeah. and that the dollar is nothing. Like the money doesn't matter. <laughs> so, um, I really like that. I also like the uh, profound disappointment that people get on their faces when they have spent uh, thousands of dollars to open a pack of cards, and all the cards together are worth much less. <laughs> it's a. Uh, I don't know what that feeling is. Um, the thing about the the guys who open Pokemon cards. Um, I've only seen two, so I'm I'm referring to them as the guys, these two guys, is that they are all incredibly positive. Like, they don't have any of the, like, human emotion of being disappointed, or one guy was just, like, shaking with excitement the whole time, so. Um, I really like watching them pretend to be okay when they don't get a rare card. I like to think we channeled some of this energy in the brain trust podcast episode those four special words oh right uh yeah booster booster edition i just won the game um, oh uh i i'm not actually playing the game That's oh okay have you heard i i switched <laughs> I switched uh, factions <laughs> you're, you're multi-classing <laughs> yeah uh yeah the booster pack energy i feel like it's a thing that uh, people make jokes about and like I want to make a role-playing role game that has booster packs. And I think because the feeling of opening a pack is so intense. Yeah. Um, because it is cost prohibitive as a publisher and also as a player. Um, and truthfully, not really fun. Unless you're just someone who... I mean, like, the opening of the pack is, is the action. The stuff that's inside is almost never, like you said, it doesn't, it, it very rarely measures up to the expectation. But that that moment, that like few seconds of hearing that foil crackle. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you open hot dog or hamburger? Oh, geez. Um, I open hot dog like lengthwise. I usually do. Every once in a while you'll mess up and then you open it like a bag of chips and be like, all right, all right. Yeah, you're like, okay, I'm kind of just 
cracking into this one, <laughs> really extracting. So I've got a, a game design that uses the booster packs thing. It involves like what we talked about last week with stickers, uh, like making up sentences out of things and drafting them. Basically, the way the thing worked. I probably talked about this before. About all these uh, foil sleeves for tarot-sized cards that you can just iron and heat seal. Um, so you can just make your own booster packs really easy. So the way this game worked is that every time you opened a chest, like you got to the thing, and then your reward is everyone is able to open a booster pack of sticker sheets, and each uh, sticker has a different part of a statement on it that you can use to append to your moves or whatever. Um, so maybe one sticker says fire, another says has a plus sign, and there's another one that says, like, if underwater. And so you're making this long statement of, like, what this move could do. But because every uh, player is opening one, the GM opens one, too, and you each take a sticker sheet and then pass another sticker sheet from that same booster pack over. So you're just drafting these things. So you have to make sure to pick all the good ones so the GM doesn't get to uh, add whatever ones they get to their antagonist that they control or whatever the big bad kind of thing. Yeah, that's a cool meta game uh, that that I feel is in most drafting card games too. Like, at what point am I playing defense and offense? Like, if I get this time zero, like, do I want to make sure that I don't? I'm not the one who has to append a time zero to one of my things or whatever. This is kind of like we played uh, Wizards in the Waste. Is that the name of that game? Yeah, the Wizards, and, Wizards and the Wastes. I think we played the Wizards in the Waste by Bats. Um, Earlier this week, run by Tyler Crumrine of the Brain Trust podcast, of the Brain Trust uh, Discord, we're of the Brain Trust podcast, <laughs> uh, and I loved the feeling of that my character was an art project, and I could just spend uh, kind of three hours, or two two or three hours working on my art project. Um, that game has a couple elements that carry over session from session that you have to, you know, explicitly work at one session on doing something. So you have these skills that when you fail, they get more specific. And so you could try and fail many times to get a very specific skill. So what's the first one you start out with in that game? I think it's just save. It's just like a save. Oh, yeah, just save. It went from save to... I had like save, go to weather, go to storm. And so I had a storm skill. And I was like, wow, that's that's super cool. I can't wait to like pick up this character again and just get a really specific skill to like add to this big collage project that I'm working on. And so with the booster pack game, it's just a cool way to like conceptualize, you know, your character as a week to week kind of art project you're working on. Instead of something like static. I think that would be cool even to what we were talking about at the end of the show last week with a modular game design itself not just mm-hmm. modular characters, if in the same way, so if this was a non-GM game, or it doesn't even matter, but like, in addition to being able to put those stickers in your character sheet, uh, you would also be able to put them in the rule book. Like, mm-hmm. you could just fuck up a rule, mm-hmm. and then also by doing so, fuck up the purpose or like the intended experience of the game. And not necessarily fuck up, because I think the boosters are would be... Uh, in line with the feeling and like intent of the game itself, but right? But it's a, it's a feature that you can also you can add 
a sticker to the cover that changes the title of the game, or like you change the dying rules to be the living rules or something like yeah, that. Yeah, really wild. That actually sounds freaking cool. Yeah, I've wanted to make this forever. So the legacy RPG. I, I'm just gonna make it. I think. Yeah, it's good. Um, and uh, from having so this is Adam's craft corner. You welcome. It would be much second corner of the podcast more accessible uh, to. Print like buy the printer sticker sheets and just print out like a word document and cut them out yourselves at the table rather than yeah. like ordering custom stickers and shit. Um, definitely, and that's definitely you know the the playtest and alpha version. And when I finally go to Kickstarter, um, you know, we'll swing for <laughs> oh, yeah, the die cut holographic yeah. ink, whatever. God. Speaking of Kickstarter, we're a quarter of the way into the episode, and I should mention I have a new project that's coming out t- today. What day is it? Tomorrow, Wednesday, July 15th. Uh, Necronautilus science fantasy heavy metal tabletop role-playing game on Kickstarter. Necronautilus. A game that sort of... I don't know where it came from. I was thinking about this last night, because usually I can trace back a design to, like watching a show and being like, I want to make that into a game or a conversation that we've had on this podcast or outside in the, in the discord or whatever. Um, I truly don't know where the fuck Necronautilus <laughs> came from. Um, it was just planted into my brain and grew overnight. I think it was one of those that I like when I'm pretending that I'm still sleeping, like between seven and eight in the morning when I know I'm not getting restful sleep, but I'm still laying in bed. Uh, mm-hmm just came fully formed out of out of that brain some sleep cosplay uh i mean that's super cool it feels like a place your design was gonna go into this like exercise it's like a really cool statement of the uh kind of design principles you've been working on the last like you know year year and a half yeah um you want to take a break and then we can kind of dig into what that game is and i can try to sell it to Whoever's listening. Yeah. How about before we take a break, what, just go right now to Kickstarter and either uh, check out the Necronautilus page or. Um, I actually don't have a, sh- a short URL to read right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but if you go to my Twitter at WC Game Co., I'm sure I'm posting about that every day. My pinned yeah. tweet is going to be it. My link in bio, you know, you're going to find it. All right. We'll be back. There's some there's some newer ones in the last like yeah I've been doing new ones yeah you like you like it yeah it's cool thanks it's one of those things where like when you watch an anime for a long time and you're like oh they got a new theme song and at first you're like huh I really like the old one but then by by the time that the the show runs you're like that that theme song was the fucking jammer. Like, you just have to get used to it. I am your favorite anime. (laughs) We're back, and we're talking to Adam Vass about Necronautilus. (laughs) Pleasure to be here. Hey, Adam, it's great to have you back on the show. I understand you've got a pretty funny story about a flight you took recently. (laughs) Uh, Flying. Remember... 
Um, the last flight I took was to L.A. to go hang out with you. I think about that trip often because we, we like, just ducked under the yeah. the bars to, to be able to have that. It was great. I, I kind of knew on the plane that that was, like, this is the last time I'm going to be doing this for a long time. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, talking about. I, I understand you got a pretty funny story about a new Kickstarter coming to Kickstarter.com by Adam Vass. So, Necronautilus is a heavy metal inspired setting and has a lot of um, OSR and trad role playing uh, theory in it. Oh. But yeah. as the game was written and developed further, it ended up really being what I consider like a very special hybrid of this OSR tech and indie tech is like story stuff, which is something that we, we talk about a lot on the show very often. Um, and it feels like this is really almost like um, my final paper for, for the semester of like, how can these two things be married? <laughs> I, I really like how you are, incorporating tons of ideas from both movements so what what of uh the kind of story game aspects are you well what are you doing in this game so the universe is where everything goes when it dies so you have every everything and um it's not just everything from earth when it dies like you have infinite types of alien uh, species and creatures, plants. Um, you have stars that burned out. You have planets that are sort of emerging and disappearing uh, almost on a whim in this like dimension that exists outside of time and life itself. Mm. Um, in that, too, you have new life uh, that's being kind of raised from this, uh, this dead galaxy of, you know, in the in the rules or in the text I write, my negative one times negative one is a positive one. So that's all the logic you need to be like, <laughs> yes, there is new life in this universe. Um, and this whole area, galaxy, universe, I kind of use uh, interchangeably, but is under the purview of the god death. Um, death is blind, uh, literally, so doesn't fully under or like needs you to go do things on their behalf um mostly cataloging and exploring these locales as they emerge and the peoples who live there um Ooh. and also sort of making sure everything is in order uh in terms of there's no like huge power struggles or like uh bastardization of kind of like the just neutrality of death um, because a, a thing in the design that I wanted to focus on was that death isn't inherently a good or bad thing. So it's just sort of everything here is in the middle. Um, yeah. There are bad planets. There are bad people. There are good planets and good people. But death just is an inevitable thing. So uh, players act on behalf of death. Your player character is called a death agent, which mm. is just a cool-ass title. Well, uh you're basically a soul of a living, a once living thing that is trapped in this form of gas cloud. And when you switch between planets, your form sort of adapts to the atmosphere and conditions of that planet. So you're never really um, in, 
you know, like a human who would land on Mars with no suit, you would be toast. But in, in this, you just can adapt kind of instantly when you land in a new area. Um, although staying in an adapted form for a length of time can cause harm and cause bad things to happen to you. And you go around and you explore and you learn things and you, there, there's, you do whatever the hell you want. It's very sandboxy, in, in, especially in terms of games I've worked on in the last year. This is the most open and like, uh, adaptable to your play style. Yeah, it seems like you've created a really rich universe, even with a, a short description full of like very open-ended things for players to do. How how what's like the creation aspects like in this game? Because it's not, uh, from what I understand, it's not just about death. Uh, no, so there's this novel system that this is where I think the the indie stuff comes in. Um, because this isn't just procedural generation and dice tables, there are the, the things that you use to create things on the fly, whether you're player or GM, um, are words, are language. And mm. when you explore a place, you might find a new word that you add to your collection or by helping um, some people on a planet, they might teach you a word that's important to their culture. Uh, you collect those words. And then later on in, in the moment, when you, if you say you go to a new planet, um, you use those words almost like a Mad Lib to fill in blanks in a sentence and craft new planets, new people, new powers, new everything um, with the words that you collected prior in the game. So, uh, for example, you, I think I've maybe used this example on the show before, but... If you explore the, the depths of this cave planet and you learn the word cavernous, you just add that to your, your word collection, which is just an area on your character sheet. And then later on in the game, you might interact with someone and the GM says, okay, um, the, the people who live in this area are blank and you throw out cavernous. So what does that mean? You know, are they sentient caves are the people so large that you interact with them by going inside of them in some way um is it an ethical or or emotional thing of being cavernous mm. like um you sort of just like collect other people's emotional output without necessarily uh outputting your own it could mean whatever you want in the moment and that subjectivity uh that rorschach test is something that i've been really enamored with in game design uh for a while now Re really guide kind of lit that fuse for me and mm. i've used it in quite a few games since then so i think again this is the the culmination of that education in, in game theory of what does this thing mean to you the player in this moment in this context that you're sort of creating for yourself and every group will have different experiences because of that subjectivity it sounds like a lot of cool atomic usage of language that you're just like gamifying and you, you've like centered the core loop around collecting these words and using them. Um, sounds super fucking cool. Yeah. It's something that even it's another thing that I just like think about, right. Where I put it into the game and then I consider it more and just like how words meanings change even regionally or with different uh, dot with different dialect, different context, um, 
different languages, uh, different spellings, especially with like sort of Gen Z like internet language and how spelling something intentionally wrong gives it a different meaning or creates a new context. Um, All that stuff really is now like gamified or or mechanized in this game, uh, which I think is really novel, really interesting because it will allow players to examine those things in the, their lives, like outside of the game itself. Um, hopefully kind of doing what it did for me of, wow, I never thought about it that way. And like, you know, um, just considering it and how you use particular words in your own language. Yeah. It's pretty cool that your uh, game about the death universe is very humanistic and like constructivist about language. Yeah. Kind of happened on accident. I think it was very setting first. Um, and we had talked about running uh, a game of Morkborg or something like that where I, I would just do, r- like, metal bullshit setting. <laughs> and it would be really fun to just, you know, swing, uh, like, f- flails and shit in that world. And you meet a dragon whose name is Fucker. And you, <laughs> yeah. like... Yep. Uh, <laughs> All the, and it's it bleeds motor oil like all of that's good stuff. <laughs> so so in Necronautilus, all that can exist. And then when you slay fucker the dragon, you learn the word fucker. And now what does that mean? Like when you Hello. when you create a fucker planet, what is that? And then then you yeah. get to be like creative and weird. And uh, it does. I, I I will have a bank of words in the rule book. Um, that are sort of tonally appropriate, uh, there won't be swears. But you can put swears in your game. I don't care. I'm gonna. (laughs) I sure am. Uh, But yeah, I think there's something really interesting and special and, and truthfully not something I've seen done in taking, uh, not necessarily a setting like that, but just sort of, trying to find a balance between what I would consider maybe gonzo or, or extreme world stuff with some of that more humanist and and ground level thinking as a player. Um, I think a lot of, and I, and I think like you said, it is sort of the culmination of like my style and my, my games theory to make something, uh, that's just like, weird and cool and leather leather jacket like bullshit mixed with yeah. something that makes that will make you feel sad if you play it for long enough <laughs> and that you heard it here first this game will make you sad if you play it for long <laughs> enough uh that's awesome um t- tell me a little bit about the campaign so uh i went very bare bones with it i um well bare bones for me uh <laughs> So it's for the book. It is just for the book, and I wrote and designed and did the art for for the book. The book is very much just myself. Um, It's a hardcover book for the first time in my catalog, which I'm excited for. Uh, I I did approach with that Mork Borgian uh, layout style of kind of like maximalist, kind of extreme, lots of high contrast, uh, lots of typefaces, things on all sorts of grids and stuff. Um, so it's very much an art book. Uh, the campaign is really for that. And you can get that as like the base pledge, um, for a a slightly higher pledge. There's, uh, the book with a zine, which is called stellar remnants. Uh, 
which will be expanded content and modular rules and uh, even, I think, at least one fully functional like standalone game that takes place in the same universe uh, with wonderful guests like yourself. Hey. Uh, and friends of the show, uh, Viditia Valetti and Adira Slattery are both writing and also uh, Sword Queen Games' Jamila Najati is contributing and I capped it at that so far, but I'm hoping that this campaign sort of takes off and I can seek out uh, a couple other, I I really interested in the idea of standalone games within the Necronautilus galaxy. Um, So I think that's something I'm, I'm hoping to uh, encourage moving forward with the project. Um, And then there's uh, an F you give me money tier so you can get the book and the zine and a t-shirt because uh, the logo is just cool. And like every time I showed it to a group of people, they'd be like, I want to wear that. And I'm like, yeah, I do too. So I'm going to go ahead and get that logo. It's sort of, it's, it's clearly metal inspired, but it has this sort of like round sci-fi, like psychedelia to it at the same time. Um, white ink, black tea, just cool, uh, metal style shirt. And that's it. Um, the campaign is sort of no frills because it started off as a smaller thing. And, um, this is the third campaign I've set up during, uh, the pandemic and the other two I did not launch. Um, it's, it's occurring to me that I need to sort of make some, some fundamental moves. So, I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to have some. I didn't want to have the scope creep that I, you know I'm a fan of having. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just something that's going to happen no matter what. There are. I mean, it seems like the campaign's like this because it needs to be like this. I mean, it's so cool, and I'm I'm asking for twenty five hundred dollars for the print run, um, which on Kickstarter is very low. Uh, I really hope it it exceeds that and and kind of like takes off. But I also know, obviously, everyone's financial situation is is strange right now. So at the very least, it's going to have a very cool print book. Um, I have two secret stretch goals in, planned out Ooh. for if it really takes off. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really going to be pleased with just having this book in my hand. R- really, just making my first hardcover role-playing game is a feat in itself. So huge. I- I'm pretty happy about yeah. the, the, the status of the game. I'm so fucking excited. Uh, I won't, I won't uh, curse you at all by saying anything except for glad to see that day one fun tomorrow. Let's hit it. <laughs> I believe. Yeah, I'm in that. Yeah, you're gonna wreck shit. I've seen when you log into Kickstarter on the your creator page. There's a ad, uh, not quite an ad, but like a pop up at the top, and it's like, are people still backing campaigns during quarantine? The answer is yes. <laughs> and and I'm like, uh, this shit sucks. And also, like, I feel like I didn't have doubt until you you planted it in me. Um, right. It's like I mean, it, it's kind of like telling a child they can be whatever they want because they just thought that before. But when you tell them that, they're like, wait, you mean that there was maybe a reason I couldn't? Yeah. Um, that's what Kickstarter's doing to me. <laughs> but um, seeing some other really cool games going up at the same time and funding. Uh, we have Spencer Campbell's Slayers Players. on Kickstarter right now. Uh, Jiangxi is going up from oh our friend God. Banana Chan today, uh, the day that this episode goes live. And 
I can't wait to back that. That's going to be bonkers and cool. Um, there's other got, RPG stuff that's happening that's popping off, which gives me hope that, you know, um, I can be one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just like, I, I could think of half a dozen of Kickstarter campaigns I know that are either going right now or launching soon. So I, th- I think it's safe to say we're back. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm back. I, in my opinion, I'm back. <laughs> That's fucking rad. Uh, yeah, run to the balls. Don't forget to um, check your shirt size so you can get that deluxe shirt tier. Uh, get that zine because I'll have words on it. Um, but yeah, I'm really fucking excited. I think, too, I, I feel like I, me saying this on the show is committing to it when I haven't otherwise made up my mind. I'm planning for the zine to be uh, exclusive to the Kickstarter campaign. There will uh, there will probably be some print overages at the end, but um, I really want each writer to be able to use the 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 work that they put in um, in other contexts or on their own itch or whatever after the campaign. So I think the zine really will just be for the people who get it during the Kickstarter. Mm, cool. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm very I'm very excited to see what other people do with it. It's such a cool setting that I like think about when I close my eyes just every day. Like, whoa! <laughs> Do you, you, whenever you close your eyes, you see you peek into the death universe. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what's actually happened. Maybe that's where this game came from. Since I can't remember. I mean, you are a necromonger. Let's consider that <laughs> a necromonger. Um, that's fucking rad. Uh, and uh, it sounds extremely playable online too. Yeah, in a way that I think a lot of my recent stuff is not, this is. I think that comes from a lot of the the OSR and trad stuff that I'm bringing into it. Um, the simplicity, the, the, the streamlining of uh, character sheet and GM prep and everything to just be like hit the ground running. Uh, realistically, um, character creation would take less than a minute. You You just come up with three words that you start with that are your abilities or spells or whatever you want them to be. Um, and you come up with a title for yourself, which is not your real name, but it's how you refer to one another. Uh, so that's where you get to be Hornet or you get to be tranquility or like something cool. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Um, but over the course of the game, uh, you'll discover who you were before you died. And that's a different thing. Um, but so, so that's an interesting thing too, that I think is novel. The character creation is an ongoing process through the story arc. So you get to start playing with sort of a template character that you still build. Um, Mm. but learning who you were before you, you, you can't really come into this game with a 10 page backstory, but you leave with a 10 page backstory. You learn about who your character was while you play. We love games like this. Yeah, big fan. I'm excited to play this game more more than like printing it and doing all the hustle. It's going to be super cool to engage with. I think uh, maybe next week I'll, I'll be able to run it for the trust in the Discord or something. Hell yeah, I can't wait. That rules so hard. Yeah. You're, you're making cool shit, Adam. I'm uh, enamored with it. It's come from this weird uh, sp- space of... 
holy shit, I'm not going to be able to work for another year. And also just (laughs) this, this really wild, like, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of been full going like a hundred miles an hour on game design this whole year. I I don't know what happened, but really since guide and cobwebs, uh, I can't stop. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should take a break and then come back and talk about like, what's up? (laughs) yeah let's do it Welcome back to the Quarantine Creatine Podcast. We talk about getting our muscles nice and juicy and talking about creativity in the teen. What Adam, muscle I'm, is more important than your brain muscle, your creative muscle? The skin, biggest <laughs> muscle in the body. Uh, yeah. Quarantine is interesting in the, what it does <laughs> to your brain. Yeah, uh, I'm finding it's not so good no. for me. <laughs> So just before the break, we were talking, I mean, like, I am in my game shelf where I record. I've probably put out four or five games since we started this. Oh, maybe more because there's a couple that I even, like, didn't didn't do big print runs or whatever. Um, But just day to day, like, that that looks like a lot of output and kind of is uh it, it, a lot, Adam, it is it's a lot so of huge. it's for patreon and, and some of the projects like a zine i print at home or eight page zine uh, is less of a creative commitment to me than something like this this book definitely yeah. but i i definitely have like the hot days and cold days of uh uh something uh, really the the first hour or two that i'm awake will really set the uh the pace <laughs> for for the entire day and if any if i learn any bad news or if i have any kind of like thing that upsets me in that time day is fucking over i'm not getting shit done oh that i mean that's at least good that you can you have the uh the window i it's not explicit but i can make up my mind very early and it's not like an active decision i guess but it's a thing that i've honed myself to do to like read my own mood and be like, today's going to be a good day for writing. Or, um, I think I have, I have this compartmentalization of a lot of the creative work that I do. So if I'm doing painting commissions and stuff, um, it's a different muscle than, than game design or writing, uh, which is different from music performance and, and everything's kind of, uh, put in their own little boxes. And, and usually in a day I can, I can find something in one of those boxes to engage with um, unless it's a total burner day. And I would say I get at least one of those a week where I go, uh, it's not, it's just not happening for me. Yeah. I feel like I, I started out quarantine very well, extremely well, just kind of like getting outside every day and like work was fine. And I was working on really cool stuff 
elsewhere and it just like there were so many little parts that were great and i now just am fucking burned out i am i'm a burnt end i'm a stick of dynamite that's blown out like a banana peel yeah i sort of bore witness bared witness <laughs> the past tense of bear witness to that like in in real time really uh because yeah. at the start of quarantine, as we mentioned, the last thing we got to do was hang out together here, um, yeah. kind of running high <laughs> on guide energy and also the opposite of running high. The just sort of uh, exacerbated exhale of finishing a project that was intense and, and uh, involved a lot of work. Yeah. And then... Uh, because of the timing I had to dive. Well, I didn't have to, but like the way it just worked out is I had to breathe all that air back in and go right into the same energy level, uh, for cobwebs, which Mm -hmm. I'm very pleased with. I think it is the best game that I've done on my own. Uh, and like, I I couldn't be happier with the, the project, but it's super fucking good. I had to keep those wheels spinning at least I told myself I had to keep those wheels spinning where you made the active decision to not do that because you recognize that you're in this danger zone of burnout and this is it overexertion. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes I'm doing the Wile E. Coyote where I'm running and there's no ground beneath me. And the second I look down, I'm going to realize there's no ground and I'm going to fall. It's like you're on a complicated line rider level and you are in the middle of the air without a line to catch you, our dear rider. Shout outs to line rider. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> oh my God. That's this little little person stick figure that's on a sled and then they ride down oh, lines. I haven't thought about this in many years. Definitely put line it in rider. my computer graphics class. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm glad I didn't do a big project because I would be in the in the projected delivery phase right now. Um, and I yeah. I would I'm just imagining how I'm doing right now, which is not great. I would I would be underground. I would be in a fucking water tower right now. That's an interesting thing too because it's not something I consider, but it's something I should consider. I mean, I I'm very wishy-washy in making future plans, especially right now. But um, even with like playing games in Discord, if someone's like, "Hey, do you want to play next Wednesday?" I'm like, "I'll tell you Wednesday morning." Because I'm not sure if next Wednesday is (laughs) happening yet. I'm not confident enough that I will be good to go six days from now. Uh, But I can tell you the day of, and generally that just doesn't. It's not it's not a great way. It's not like a super considerate way to to plan things. Um, But when I do a Kickstarter or when I do a big project, um, I'm definitely not thinking that. And I should be. But like I can't I almost can't because like Cobwebs Kickstarter was in February. The game was really mostly written already before the campaign ended. So there wasn't a whole lot of post Um, doing layout and stuff was all in post. But uh it wasn't a lot of active design after the fact, which was a relief. Um, and obviously that was right before quarantine started. So there was no way to know that 
now when we're fulfilling that this would be the state of the world. Right. Um, thinking that now with Necronautilus that's going on Kickstarter, it ends, I think, the first weekend of August. It's a fairly short campaign. But I have a projected delivery of November. Like, I don't know what the fucking it, it is November. <laughs> Flu season starts in November. My sister's supposed to get married in October. My mom asked me the other day, are you coming or not? And I said, I'll tell you in October. Yeah, no fucking way that wedding's happening. I, I, the, everything is just so, like, up in the air. And that future, I, I've never been good at that future projection. Uh, it, it, it makes yeah. things especially bad now. But it's impossible I'll, now. Yeah. I'll, I'll also say that's why I've been really thriving on these, like, short projects that I... I wouldn't say I don't care about, but like I'll just kick them out and expect no return. Um, that's what my Patreon's really great for, for for validating these projects for me. Of I can come up with an idea on a Friday and send it to print on Monday, and just like it's kind of good to go. Um, it's like I said, it's not that I don't care about them; I do care, but. Um, you just know the level of work that that idea needs. You're just very good at scoping out, like, this needs X, Y, and Z. I can do it. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think, I think that is a huge skill, um, and you're really good at it. Obviously, your catalog speaks for itself. Thank you. Yeah, it's something I'm still toying with, but I think a lot of that comes with, like, project management or just working in collaborative fields for a long time of mm -hmm. just being able to segment an idea into its necessary parts. And I think especially with Patreon, I can look at a part and say, is this necessary? And, and a lot of the time the answer is no. So I can call it um, because those are designed for quick output and, and low cost. And like, they're just cool little, they're, they're more of a sketch than a, like obviously guide and cobwebs and all the stuff that requires testing and production and, and like boxes um, it's a lot more intensive. Um, so I think that's why I've stayed creative during quarantine. And, and a thing that, uh, is gratifying to me is just to have consistent output without necessarily dying on the cross for that output, you know, having, right. having casual output in between these more punctual, like mission statement kind of games for me. Yeah, and I and I think honestly that this Discord has ghosts in it, which was supposed to be a casual output, has really fucked up all my sensors for like what uh kind of my expectation for a game and whatever. Yeah. It just feels like this massive block to starting anything else. Yeah. So it's definitely it's definitely some real shit. Um Yeah. Uh I think I'll get out of it okay. Like that's not what I'm worried about. I just have to like continuously push back my expected like back to normal date you know into like 2021 i just i'm gonna kind of sit here vibe out make sure i'm okay yeah yeah i think that's an interesting thing too because a lot of a, a degree of my output is built upon the need for income because i don't have traditional work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's not a do or die kind of thing but um, there is sort of a shade of that of like, I literally need to be putting things out uh, to stay and then afloat. You have the, the time for it also. True, right? Because there is no other responsibility that becomes my responsibility. 
I, I on the other hand, have a very shitty job. So <laughs> I think I'm very glad I have a job, but I sure hate it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, uh, I don't think anyone's really thriving. I think that uh, yeah. is a point that should be made is like, yeah, <laughs> in either scenario, there's something wrong. And it's something external. Obviously, the world is wrong. Yeah. But how you cope with that, especially in creativity, um, is going to be so is so subjective. Right. I think we're both doing good jobs of like figuring out being able to clock the thing that works for us and what works and what we can do. Yeah, I'm noticing a lot more pushback musically uh, because it's something I can't just put out by myself. Um, there are there are five people in our band and then we have, uh, you know, record label and manager and all those people. Um, so the, the, the divide that you and I have of it, wanting to be in the zone and wanting to get away from the zone, um, is still functional because our responsibility is so much lower. But now imagine right. that there are eight of us and everyone is in a different place on that spectrum. And it's just, yeah. Uh, it, it's really difficult to find common ground or, or get things accomplished with those differences in, in attitude and ability and like what you're able to take on in the moment. It seems like even on the best circumstances, it's very hard. Yeah. Um, what's some dumb fun bullshit we could do in the last 10 minutes? <laughs> um, <clears throat> see what do i gotta run my desk (laughs) this is always a good one Uh, i feel like i thought of fun stuff to talk about um but now i forget uh let's take a break yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fun break's fun on the brain trust podcast uh adam yeah what's uh what's the freaking silliest uh rpg class are you thinking about bards <laughs> i'm thinking that bards are freaking silly dude check it out uh they sing and <laughs> be really silly what else do you want uh uh wow uh we were um someone on tiktok is like uh loving indie games and adam and i just both hopped in the the comments on the tiktok and we're like thank you for doing this you're a real legend you're the hero (laughs) i saw you right you're a hero for this (laughs) yeah um because there is very much a D &D tiktok sphere and it's It's 
it's awesome that there are so many like queer D and D fans on TikTok, and I'm I'm always happy to see them out there because I know that our dark side will absorb them <laughs> when <laughs> when they figure out. But having someone just on the ground doing it is really cool. And that we award the first brain trust award for heroism to. Adam, who else would you like to give a brain trust award to? Let's do the brain trust awards. Yeah, okay. Uh, Welcome! I'm Willie Opes. I'm the first host. I'm one of the hosts of the (laughs) brain trust awards 2020. And I'm the second host, Adam Vass, 2020's own, uh, here at the brain trust annual. We're here at the Marriott Inn. Actually, I think we can get away with this because our, our thing started in August last year. So this is the first annual brain trust awards. Yes, it is. And then we can hold another one in two weeks. So we can just have the two words very close to each other. Anyway, um, of, of course, we've been soliciting uh, deeds of heroism every day we live on this world. And we just want to recognize a couple of people. So first, I'd like to recognize that person on TikTok who was repping some indie RPGs. Thank you. You are a hero. Uh on the TikTok sphere, I want to shout out Whistlegraph. Uh, yes. Big fan. We, we've talked about it on the show, but um, definitely a creative inspiration. Um, whistle, at Whistlegraph on TikTok. And Twitter and Instagram. Whistlegraph has a new game out called Paint and Stop. Oh. Um, that is pretty cool. Whistlegraph also makes games. Uh, just really delightful, perfect, simple, like extremely posy and good. Yeah, it it is uh, the Joybringer Award. Whistlegraph. Yeah. Um, I would like to give an award to Adam Vass of the Ray Trust Podcast oh for my. being such a great friend. And now here is a little time you have for a small speech. Go ahead. I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I want to thank uh, God first. Foremost. <laughs> death god, the blind god of death. death. <laughs> uh, the ruler of the universe, Necronautilus. Um, I want to thank my co-host, Will. This wouldn't be possible without you. Uh, wow, thank you so much. Yeah, um, to my manager, to my talent scout. Um, I'm, I'm in the audience, kind of like, just like putting my drink down. Be like, me? Oh my gosh, thank you so yeah, much. We, <laughs> we see your mouth moving, but we can't hear, you're not mic'd or anything. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> thank Adam, thank you. You honor me. Uh, really, I'm accepting this award on behalf of all uh, the, 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 the podcast hosts who record in their closet uh, on 100 Degree Days. We're, we're doing, I'm doing this for you. We're all in this together. I uh, would also like to nominate uh, for an award the guy who plays bass in Adam's apartment complex. <laughs> um, I haven't heard them in a while. I want... Hmm, I hope... No, hmm. for a while we had beef and yeah squashed it one night it was like 11 30 and they weren't playing bass but they were just like they had people over and they were being loud and i took the dog in after the the last pee of the night and i'm like pacing back and forth in that courtyard by myself just like uh, I'm about to pull my hair out and I just go and like hammer slam on the door with my <laughs> fist and I immediately I'm like I can't do this right now and so I just walked away and so there was no conversation 
But I saw them open the door and like look out, and I was just like walking away like Hulk down the the <laughs> highway. <laughs> and since then, we've had no problems. And I'd like to award a second tier award to Adam Vass <laughs> <laughs> for. Adam, you've got some time to make a little acceptance speech. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't have done it without my neighbors. Uh, you know, we've we've had our we've had our misunderstandings in the past, but uh, I think we're on a good footing now. I think you know we're starting to see eye to eye, and I think that's what this is really about. You know, like just if everyone in the world could just like slam on their neighbor's door really hard, and uh, everyone would just sort of come to this mutual understanding and respect that I think the world really needs. Uh, your neighbor is in the audience, mouthing "You honor me" in the audience. <laughs> in, in, in cam. Uh, there's still there's definitely still sagas of the complex, but uh, I think they're just amplified by the fact I can't leave. Definitely. There's a person who who's like an opera singer, and they sing every day at 5 p.m. Like probably 4:30, but like right when I get ready to start cooking dinner, I am in the kitchen and I can hear them just warming up. Oh, and it's so they're loud. Like they're, so you know. they're inside their apartment, but I can hear them as if they were like in my room. It's and, the loudest kind of singing you can do. And it's just the most inconsiderate thing I can think of doing uh, when no one's allowed. They did it before quarantine, and I you just I always hear if I'm not on tour. So I was aware of this, but now everyone in the building is aware of it, and no one can do anything. God. Uh, I do play drums in my apartment. I uh, admire your willingness to confess. <laughs> <laughs> I, they're covered with blankets and shit. But yeah. It is what that's, it is. That's not great, right? That's not really great. I try to have that attitude now with my bass playing neighbor. I, almost, I have a headphone bass amp that I play through, and I considered giving it to them. But... No. I, we we've still never talked. It still was just that moment. So it's just no. like uh, I think I, I think that moment's passed. I'd like to give myself a hero award for admitting to playing drums in my apartment. <laughs> uh, I'm up there giving an award, and I'm in the audience saying, "You honor me to myself." <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's like your kick drum in a theater seat, and the the <laughs> microphone hole is moving like a mouse. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, if it wasn't clear before, it's clear now. We're back on our summer bullshit of dying <laughs> on the show. We, dude, I'm just fucking sweating. I bet it's even hotter there. We I can hear it in your voice. Cool yeah, let's call it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this has been the Brain Trust Podcast. Uh, if you would like to listen to more of the Brain Trust Podcast, click like and subscribe and ring the bell and give us a subscription and provide us a small five-star award for being heroes. <laughs> give us hero awards. Um, we got a Discord. It's called the Brain Trust Discord. Uh, it's always linked in the show notes. If you're listening to this uh, and you're in the Discord, why not suggest something fun for us to do? <laughs> Uh, I was trying to explain Discord to Erica yesterday because uh, I think that the like art collective that she started is going to um, start using that to communicate. And the the first thing I said was, "Well, it's not just for gamers anymore." <laughs> RPGs. It's not just for gamers anymore. Okay, so Necronautilus Discord's server 
Kickstarter. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. <laughs> My brain is melting. The Necronautils Kickstarter is live tomorrow. Um, it's running for uh, two weeks. Like two month? weeks. Two weeks. Short and sweet. You have to get it. Um, if you uh, like us, if you like one of us, it doesn't matter which one, <laughs> hop over uh, to the Kickstarter link, which will be in the show notes, and also it'll be all over Adam's Twitter Discord server. Yes, at WC Game Co on Twitter. Um, yeah, don't worry about having to learn how to spell Necronautilus. Just look for the easy link. I'll, I'll probably make the tiny URL uh, something stupid that is not having to spell this word that um, I've learned how to spell through trial and error, but is is not uh, in, intuitive. My phone recognizes it now as a word in spell check. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Uh, yeah. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been no Adam. We have to thank me and yeah, give go you ahead. the hero award. My name is Will. I'm at will dot com. Uh, you can, um, you could uh, talk send to me some water. Send me water. Okay. Uh, Discord emoji handshake emoji. <laughs> 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 <laughs>